Hey everyone, welcome to In Call Out Call podcast, a podcast that focuses on black men involved in sex work. Hosted by me, Dennis Hardy. Throughout the season, we'll be covering everything from struggles to experiences and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of In Call, Out Call, and I am joined today by my wonderful co-host, Daddy Rod. Hey Dennis, I'm good here in Cali, enjoying myself. Okay. (laughs) You guys are going back into lockdown, right? Oh my God, it's terrible. I commend the governor for what he's doing, but for business people, it's terrible because he's trying to reshut things down and it's, it's just bad, you know, and even though it's mandated here in California to wear masks, it's just still people are just ignorant enough not to do it. So one thing for me, I'm hating being out here. Only thing is I can't go to the gym because the gyms are closed. Ugh. Right, right. Other than that, things are cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm happy you're staying safe and everything. Oh, definitely. You know, here in Atlanta, we have the whole Kemp versus Bottoms thing going on. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's a hot That should be a show all in itself. Right. Because Kemp is determined to kill us. You know, black folk don't matter to him. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, I hope everybody stays safe. Wear your mask. California recently surpassed New York as, you know, having the most cases, but only a quarter of the deaths. So I guess that's like a silver lining. But still, you know, everybody stay safe. Yep, exactly. Yep. And everything. But in other news, oh, I guess this kind of relates because who we're talking about, their career starts in California. I guess back then, like all porn started in California, pretty much. Well, not all porn. A lot of porn started in California back then. Yeah. So today we're talking about the legendary Bobby Blake. For those who don't know him, he was a huge figure throughout the 90s into the early 2000s. It's hard for me to get like a time frame for when he worked because according to his book, he only worked for three years, but he starts in like 1992 or something. And then no, his it, wasn't that, it wasn't that. It wasn't that soon. No, no. Well, then, it was. Okay. Um, he started, if I'm correct, probably in the mid 90s, like 96 or seven, I believe. Maybe 98, but it was. It was definitely. It, he came on along the scene when the internet really just started popping in the infancy of the internet and. He came out with the major studios like Catalina and Channel One releasing. And, you know, he was the, I wouldn't say he was like the first daddy-like figure you would see in porn for black men, but he was probably the second one. Because I I always say the first one was Joe Simmons. So for anyone who's a porn connoisseur, Joe Simmons was the daddy figure because he did it all. Plus he gave you very daddy-like vibes. But Bobby Blake, when he came, burst out into the scene And I hate to say this, but it's the truth. He epitomized not only for African-Americans, you know, just a different look in the sense of he was muscular. He kind of gave you that daddy-like, you know, look. He gave you masculinity, but it wasn't over the top. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, for non-Black, mainly our Caucasian peoples, he was the epitome of that fetishization of that strong alpha Black top. That will just, you know, that fulfill their 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 savage needs. So when he burst out in the scene, I will I'll give him credit. He capitalized on that. <laughs> so I just want to clarify. So I like I'm I like I remember reading his autobiography 
And so I remember him saying in 19, early 90s, and then according to the internet, it was 1992. So he like predates like the internet. And then, you know, as the internet comes, he, he's still there. Now, see, I'm, I'm, I I will admit, I did not read his autobiography because I, I knew him before he did porn. Mm. And so I'm thinking when he's saying 92, I'm thinking more he may have done maybe more of the maybe erotic dancing, like go-go dancing or whatever. Because I really don't remember him being in porn porn until at least 95, 96, I swear. But maybe I'm wrong. This is the thing about the book. It, it's a, it, it's interesting. It's always interesting to read about somebody's life. And I, I don't know Bobby Blake personally. He's somewhere in Atlanta. I feel like I've seen him in the gym before. Now that I've seen, mm-hmm. yeah, seen like recent pictures of him, I'm like, I feel like I've seen you before. You know, so this is no shade to him. But like that timeline is like all over the fucking place. <laughs> I'm like reading it. And, and then he's saying he watched people as teenagers. And I'm like, well, how are you watching them when they were teenagers right along with you? So, I'm just, yeah. so, you know, so it, it could be a bunch of things. And like everybody, your memory that doesn't always line up with reality. So, you know, it, it, could, it could be this information I have. But I think people are probably wondering why we're singling out Bobby Blake. And for me, and somebody said this to me the other day, Bobby Blake really, you know, lays the foundation for like the black dominant top. Even as we see like people doing porn today, like Bobby Blake style, although me watching it now, I don't 100% believe it. But I think for it to be like one of the first times people are seeing this imagery, it was like, here's here's a black guy. And he's going to like fuck you down and tell you what to do. And he's physically dominating and all that stuff. And, and I think from like Bobby you you get like other people like later on like Thugzilla who tries to be like that dominant top over the top and shit yeah. over the top and shit yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah Bobby, um not Bobby Blake Thugzilla I remember he used to be like what he used to say he used to come on people's face he used to be like are you hungry now eat yeah, yeah. it's a little ridiculous I kind of lived a little bit I used to watch it it was over the top but <laughs> <you Yeah. know? laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind of thing? No, um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because the reason why he was so popular then, I mean, it was just the timing of everything for him when he burst onto the scene was just perfection. Because when he really started doing movies and he became like a namesake, again, he, he was kind of like the first like dominant daddy top that you saw that was, you know, he really fit that what white men really just fantasize with black men and with the introduction of the internet. I mean, it just, what was used to be just kind of limited to like flyers and posters you would see at gay clubs or whatever and magazine. Now you had the internet. So his likeness was all over the place. And then he was on covers of ton. I mean, he was like the forefront of many movies where he was like the, the star of the movie. So back then before the internet really with downloading and streaming, these porn stars, especially with him, I'm pretty sure he was pulling at least two to five thousand dollars a movie. And this is not including all the side events, you know, going to Pride, both Black Pride, White Prides, and doing special events. So he could, if if he was doing, if he had the business acumen, he probably was pulling in at least a good five to ten thousand a month if he was just really just doing it the right way. Because I mean, he was just the man at that time, and then. 
you know, now, but again, for some of us, we, you know, the, the, the newness wore off and then you could kind of tell he was kind of really getting to that fetishized role for those white men. And if you see his movies, some of it to me wasn't even acting. He was banging the hell out of them white boys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are you going to put this man in the hospital? Like, what the fuck is going on here? But that was white men's fantasy and he fulfilled it, you know? So it's... Uh, <laughs> You like he he had like a love hate relationship with the black man after a while when he when he first came out it was cool because if you watch his earlier stuff it wasn't really they had like take this big dick and I'm gonna come all over you and all this stuff I mean he was kind of just doing his thing but when he got more with the white studios oh my god that's kind of when he some of the black folks like you know who the fuck are you <laughs> you know how the black girls can be honey they'll call you all your business <laughs> right right well I, well I also want to say this. In his autobiography, he says that in his first film, he was paid 3500 That's what he says. And you know how the girls are. I don't know. He's probably telling the truth. I He's probably, probably telling the truth. He is telling... I, I, feel like, I, I feel like that is true because we know that from the 80s and then into the 2000s, what people were getting paid then to do porn versus what you come into the industry paying, getting paid now was on this decline, right? Absolutely. So, and that, that's my favorite part of the book is you really see his life really charting the sexual politics in America and doing stuff like we can't even have conversations about now in our quote-unquote sex-positive society. We can't even talk about all the stuff that he talks about in his book. But then even that like that trajectory of, of porn and what, and what it was like to get paid and how politics plays into it. He, he says, he makes this little comment that under Bill Clinton, he made more. Um, this, is what, this is what I was like, I don't know about this timeline. But under Bill Clinton, he's like he did better in the in the porn industry than under George H. W. Bush, who you know, as we said in, in another show, at that time was going after you know they were, they were trying to cut down like porn studios and porn and um, access to it through the Justice Department. So I really find that fascinating. But I want to get to what you were saying. So you feel or you know that his appeal was mostly towards white men and like. Like, initially it wasn't initially when he came out and i don't really i gotta really study his filmography again but you gotta understand at that time when he came out there were no studios owned by african-american men so everything was run by white men so his first i remember if i remember correctly his first couple of films he wasn't giving you that very alpha dom daddy type talk and fuck kind of thing he was just kind of like you know, another black man, you know, muscular, everything. And he was fucking black men and also Latinos and white men. And it was very, I guess, you know, the status quo type porn, as we probably we would probably say. But then when I guess whatever studios he was working with, when they had those movies called like Blackballed and, you know, all those racially tinged kind of themes like Black Jacks and White Tricks or whatever, you know, I'm just making up names, but stuff like that. He would then start morphing into that more of an alpha dom kind of talk, you know, where they're like, yeah, you're going to take this big black cock and yeah, take this dick. And, you know, they always had these submissive white bottoms. And so, of course, that fed into, you know, again, a lot of white, I'm not going to say all white men's fetishization of black men, but, you know, that BBC, or you, for those who don't know what I'm saying, big, big black cock. And at that time, again, if that was what was selling and that was bringing in the dollars, I'm pretty sure he just said, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do. And being that I have not read his autobiography, and I don't know if he really touched on it or not, you can probably enlighten me more. But 
that's what I remember seeing. And then he would come to Black Prides and he was cool. But then I think I remember seeing that a couple Black Prides. And at this time, when he was really popular, I think his ego kind of got in the way. And so, you know, that's when the, the gays was the Black gays was really kind of, they were like, you know, bitch, we know where you came from. We know who you are. So he kind of started to lose some of his black followers, but his white support was huge because, again, he was that fantasy for a lot of those white men. So I don't know. And again, you can clarify if you read, you know, since you read the book, I don't know if he actually did escorting as well. I think he did. So, of course, if he did, I'm pretty sure he made a killing off that. All them white boys was probably hitting him up like left and right. And I'm pretty sure black men did, too. I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't, but he did. So, yeah, I think, you know, you have firsthand knowledge about how uh, how big Bobby Blake was and maybe who he appealed with. I know for me, when I started watching porn, you know, Bobby Blake was kind of like out out the out the scene. And, you know, for me growing up, his aesthetic really didn't or his performance really didn't do anything for me because I just grew up in a different time. I mean, I wasn't watching porn back then, but it was definitely like hip hop, you know, and then we had like Dog Pound USA and all that stuff. I recall in his book, he suggests that he had like a wide audience, a, a, a very diverse audience. He did. Um, he did. But he he does talk about being caught up in, in controversy. Pe- people have a problem. With, so this is the thing. People, people always want porn to do something. And so... For a lot of his black fans, they had a problem with the way he fucked black men. And one thing he talked about in the book is that when he had sex with some white men, not all, but some white men, he would like make love to them, especially one guy that he dated briefly versus when he fucked like black men, they were like, you know, he would like try to destroy them and stuff like that. And that's very true. So what the issue was, I think, and again, this is, you know, this, oh, this would have been great if we had him on, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he he and and see I think that's when he really started to lose some of his black support because again when he initially started he wasn't like fucking those black guys like rough and trying to tear him into tear a whole you know rip their hole apart and shit like that you know it was kind of like I won't say passionate but just like regular just status quo type porn but then when he started working more of those white studios and who knows what they told him what to do he, again he said well look I probably got to do what I got to do to get my money. And you did notice that when he started doing more interracial porn, that it was seemed like a different kind of intimacy with non-black porn stars compared to black porn stars. Now, I'm not saying he fucked, you know, had sex, the sex with the white men were all passionate because there was the ones that he would just bang them out like how the white guys want, you know, fantasize about. Right. Like his last then, But he lost that appeal. You, you, you didn't see that same intimacy with the black actors he worked with has his career you know ascended so you were like as a star rose in in the porn world so you're like okay and then i think there was somewhat of a saving grace somewhat when he started dating flex dion because at first a lot of people were shocked to even date a black man (laughs) and then when they did and they saw he was just as muscular and sexy as him they were like, oh, shit. So they were like, literally, I would say they were pretty pretty much the first black gay power couple in porn. Because you were just like, oh, my God. So if you didn't like Bobby Blake, you probably liked Flex Dion. But they both gave you that very muscular look and everything like that. And then they would do sometimes do movies together and sometimes they wouldn't. And I know I remember going to plenty of prides where they would 
dance together and do shows together. So that kind of was somewhat a saving grace for him in a way. But, you know, he still did those very controversial films. So people were just like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's always interesting to me what people get upset about. Like I said, you know, you get on Twitter today, there's going to be, people are going to be mad about some type of representation in porn or all, all of it. All, all of it's going to be, uh, everything, well, let me say this, everything is problematic. It's just depending on the time and the, and the space. But it's hard for me to understand, I guess maybe it was that the closeness, the fact that you would see him fucking a black guy and see him fucking a white guy. So maybe that uh, juxtaposition. But I think about, this is me thinking now, how many people want to get topped and how many people want to get, you know, quote unquote, you know, slutted out. You want to get slutted and gutted. Right. And how that's so much a part of our, our fantasies to have like this, this this dominant guy fucking us. but then you see this guy, you know, power fucking and how that becomes an issue. And now I haven't seen a lot of his, his, his interracial scenes. I've, I've, I mostly want to see his, his black scenes. I guess it's maybe because of preference, except for, you know, his last film, which was Nigga's Revenge, which was a race play film, but a little different. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about Nigga's Revenge and, and what that did? So... With him already kind of being a lightning rod in the adult industry and being, you know, controversial with some of, in a sense of what we've already elaborated on, here he does a movie with his then husband, Flex Dion, and another black guy, I believe, I forgot his name, from a company, a now defunct company called Dickwad, that was, I think, based out of Palm Springs, I believe. And they did a movie called Niggas Revenge. And... It's, I won't even say it's loosely based, but it's pretty much a race play kind of movie where you have almost like, I won't say neo-Nazi type or skinhead type white men who thought they would take advantage of these black men, but the black men end up taking advantage of them in a sexual manner. And if you follow Dickwad, they always kind of did that extreme kink and fetish porn. So you kind of knew what was to be expected, but that was, I think, one of the few first mainstream race play porns you really saw out there. Mm. And then also at the time was when it came out, it was also raw, or some people say bareback or whatever. Right. So, and that was at a time when HIV was still a very dominant issue in the community in the sense of, you know, practicing safe sex. So it was like, why would you have a raw bareback kind of movie too? So... It was a lightning rod. It was controversial in many aspects. I'll put it like that. So I think, I I don't recall if that was truly his last film he did, but if it was, he went out with a bang, whether you want to say in a good way or a bad way, because he got it from all ends. I mean, you had some white men who loved it, and even some black men who were into race, but who loved it too. But for a majority of people of color, they were like, what the fuck? You know, it was just so, it was so much a turnoff for so many people of color. And again, that's another topic in itself, just with, because again, it, it dealt with race play and me being in the leather and BDSM, that isn't one aspect of fetish and kink that's, that some people in our community practice. And it just really was just, it just touched a nerve with a lot of people. And if he did bow out because of that movie from the negativity, I can that's probably the reason why, because, I mean, the backlash was strong. And I don't know if in his book he really talks about it much. You can elaborate more. But, 
Yeah, it was it was it was it was intense. I ain't gonna lie. I think it came out in two thousand or two thousand one. I think is when it came out. And oh yeah, it was it was something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came out in two thousand one. According to him, he liked to try to. So when you read the book, you, you really get a strong sense of his like his religious upbringing stuff and stuff. He always talks about hard work, and so he always talks about throughout his career, he always wanted to push himself, you know, to be more extreme, to be more hardcore. And, and according to him. By that time, he says that he was ready to retire because he wanted to retire at the top of the game. I don't know if in 2001 he was on the top. You you can tell me that. I don't know. No, he wasn't. <laughs> so according to him, he was at the top of the game and he wanted to retire on top. So, okay. No. Uh, so he says he did, he did that because he really wanted to go out you know, with that bang. And his only regret about doing the film was the fact that he didn't wear a condom. You know, that strongly goes against his... Well, see, that, I don't believe that because Dick Wad, when it came out, they were known for not shooting condom films. So everyone knew, just like Treasure Island, you knew all their movies were condomless. So he knew what he was doing. And him saying he wanted to go out with a bang, he did. Not him saying being he was at the apex of his career at the time, I think not. Because again, that's kind of like literally when the urban thug porn kind of thing really was taken over. So he was kind of like pushed down in a sense because people wanted a different look. And then again, with people of color, mainly Latinos and Blacks, they were looking for something new because I think they were just not too fond of Mr. Bobby Blake. Yeah. So, and um, plus you just had a new crop of people, you know, who, and, and it, I will admit though, he did usher in a new array of, I won't say, What's the word? I'm, I don't want to say middle age because I'm thinking you, when you say middle age, you think of like 50s and 60s. But you know, in porn, when you hit like 30, you're kind of most people have retired by then most times. But right. now it's kind of different. But he kind of ushered in more of that older actor to coming in. So you did have he did kind of open up a new lane for people who thought like I'm too old to do porn, but yet they had that market for it. So even though the younger generation and even some guys maybe our, my age at that time was like, you know, I kind of like the younger boys instead, but you still had those people who's like, well, I don't like that thug porn. So I want people like Bobby Blake or someone like him or Flex Dion or whatever. So you had newer stars coming out who worked with not only the mainstream white studios, but also even some of the newer emerging black studios like Poppy Thugs and Dog Pound. And I think at that time Pitbull was getting started and something else I forgot. So he, he, he did start that, but at that time, he was on the downhill and he knew what he was doing. He wanted a controversial, you know, bang to leave his, you know, mark on his porn career. And he did. So, yeah, by that time, he must have been like 40 or something because he comes into porn in his 30s. Yeah, he was like, if not late 30s, early 40s, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But when he starts, it's, it's kind of like the norm. A lot of people were like older at that time and then everybody become younger and younger. And even now, where, like you said, it's a little different, where people can be a little bit older and coming into it. I'm thinking about like, People like Max Conner and Raheem, you know, who who are older than a lot of people. But when you talk about like black gay porn people, they're the people kind of like on the top right now. But I, I just want to like go back to Niggas Revenge. What was interesting to me about Niggas Revenge is like when people think about race play, they always think about well, I think when most people think about race play, they think about it like in one way and like you're black and so you're submissive and there's like a white person like throwing these, you know, racist terms. terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Niggas Revenge, just like, it, it kind of shows like how race play can, you know, take on different forms. So like, they're neo-Nazis and he's like, you know, it's kind of like a little black exploitation ish 
NFL. Yeah, that's and that's what it looked. That's what it was kind of like. It was kind of like a black exploitation race play kind of movie. People was like, "What?" Right, because yeah, like, it's funny. Them, it, like dominates them and like, fu- and then like fucks them down to teach them a lesson. And it's like you're just waiting for him to say like, "I don't know," like so, something. So, I don't know. Something just very black exploitation ish. Like I'm waiting for him to throw in like a coat and what. And walk out or something. I know, like Dolomite or something. <laughs> because I'm like, you know, who did this? But it was really a touchstone. And I only say that because you got to look at the time when it happened. Because at that time, there were really two, maybe three at that time, porn studios that specifically shot condomless mm-hmm. movies. And that was Treasure Island, Dick Wad, and I think it was a movie co- company called SX Video. But Dickwa was known because, again, it was, yeah, I think it was started by Leatherman, White Leatherman, again, based in Palm Springs, I believe. Okay. And they, that most of their movies were kink related. So you had all okay. kind of kink from piss, fisting, leather, everything. So they touched it. They touched every aspect of it. So Bobby Blake saying he didn't, or I'm not saying he said uh, this, but saying he kind of didn't know and had regrets. I'm like, motherfucker, you knew what kind of movies they were doing. They probably paid you a good pretty penny, you and Flex, to be in this movie. But he did usher in, I will give him credit, for creating a new lane of people who wanted to enter into that industry who weren't the typical young boys or whatever, like young men or whatever. You know, you had that more of an older daddy type kind of guys who maybe never felt there was an avenue for them, and there was, and a market for them, and there was a market for it. Now, so I gave him credit for that, him and both him and Flex Dion. So, and another person we didn't really talk about who kind of ushered that in a little bit too, but he wasn't as controversial, it was J.C. Carter. To this day, oh my God, he is one sexy man. <laughs> my goodness. He has aged very well. So you got to understand, he he knew what he was doing. And he was, like I said, probably paid a pretty penny for it. And with the race play aspect, I mean, there's still, there's still people today, if they can even find the movie, who detest watching it. Because again, especially now in this climate we're in now, with our current occupant in the White House and the racial tension is so high, that kind of movie would not fly right now. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And you have people even within the leather community, which I'm very active in, who are really questioning folks who are getting into it because they wonder, like, you have people who have perceived ideas about what usually is a submissive black with a white master, but it also could be totally switched, whereas a black master and a white slave. But either way, it, it triggers a lot of people all the wrong ways. So that was a definitely then and now still a very controversial movie. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I, I think it was like when the Black Lives Matter protests were like at, at its peak. Was it many vids or, or or one of these platforms came out against race play? They were like, you know, we're not going to do race play. That's why I was told I, I didn't see a statement myself, but somebody uh, told me they were like, you know, many oh, vids okay. they're not going they're not going to support race play videos, and I was like, oh, I don't know. That's 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 a whole other thing. Um, yeah, exactly. I, have, I have opinions, I have thoughts, but child, not today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a very touchy topic and it's a, um, it's a, it's a very touchy topic yeah um, is. <laughs> yeah and so you get to a whole thing about it but that is the end of our show do you have anything you want to say go no, vote. Not really just you know <laughs> just you know 
We're living in very extraordinary times here. And all I say is please wear your mask. Let's stay safe to protect not only yourself, but your friends, your family, your loved ones. So we can get through this and try to get some normalcy back in our lives. Period. Period. Okay, well, that's the end of the show. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye.